Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. Happy to be with you on this Wednesday on the Thrill Me Podcast Network. And don't forget, you can like Thrill Me Podcast Network. We are on Facebook. We are on Instagram. We are also on YouTube, where you can check out a week worth of streaming live games. It is Halloween week, so Zach from Improper Guidance and Haunters Podcast, he's been at it with the Ghostbusters game uh, and so much more streaming this week all over our YouTube page. Again, Thrill Me Podcast Network, and make sure you go and check out these shows that have already dropped this week. You got Haunters Podcast is out the edging for Halloween as we gear up for our Halloween episode, our HHN at home episode next week. Uh, also got the review at Rob Show out where he gives his thoughts on Black Adam. And I will have my thoughts on Black Adam, uh, spoiler thoughts really for Black Adam, uh, later on in the program. Uh, also can't forget that uh, the Metal Groove is out as well this week, so uh, you can go give a listen to Josh, and Improper Guidance is going to be dropping tomorrow. So with that said, let's get into it. It is Halloween week here at the show, so I thought it would be fun to talk some list. Yeah, I'm the guy with the list. Uh, Rob's got the news for you. I got the list for you. And I actually have a list. Uh, if, if you're looking for something really scary to watch this Halloween, there's a website called Study Finds, and they claim to have found the five scariest movies they visited. And I quote, 10 of the leading expert websites to see which movies are rated the most fright-inducing. I have the top five for you. So these are five films that you could watch as we approach Halloween on Monday. I mean, what? It's, it's Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, like, all right. So, so if you start watching these tomorrow, you can watch one a day uh, and end on the number one film if you'd like. But according to this study finds claim uh, at number five for the most scariest movies of all time, It Follows. It's a really good film from 2014. I like It Follows. I got to see that in a theater by myself because uh, I, I don't know why many people did not go to see it the weekend I went to go see it. But yeah, I saw a theater all to myself, made it even scarier because uh, it is. It's it's a really good film. Uh, feels like a throwback to the Reagan era of sex kills kids. Those types of horror films, like an interesting take on the supernatural and slasher of you have sex, you're going to die. Uh, I really dig that film. That comes in at number five. At number four, Jack Nicholson in The Shining, which if you're new to this show or Haunters Podcast or really Throw Me Podcast Network and you've never heard me talk about The Shining before, uh, and even if you have, this is not one of my favorite films. I don't think it's as scary as people say it is. But again, I read the book before I ever saw the movie. So for me, it is really hard to separate the two. Because when I'm watching the movie, I know how different it is and how off it is. And just, 
it, it's I think Stephen King has always described it best, and and I didn't even know Stephen King, Stephen King described it this way until uh, years after I finally read the book, then saw the movie because I read the book for uh, a school project back in get this in eighth grade. I read this book for my reading class. We got to pick whatever book we wanted to read. All the kids were picking like 200 to 300 page books. And I was like, I want The Shining because I've heard this is a scary book. Yeah, the book is terrifying. I actually love the episode of Friends where Joey has to put the book into the freezer because, yeah, it's it's a scary book. And I get it. Uh, and that always made me laugh in Friends. So I read the book first. I thought it was scary. Then I saw the movie about a few months after. And the movie just for me fell so flat from what made the book terrifying. To me, the book was, it, it was fire. There was a lot of devilish to it, a lot of hell to it. And the movie is just this cold, very dark, kind of slow, methodical build to an ending that is, again, very different from the book. If you've ever read the book, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, in fact, if you've seen Dr. Sleep, in ways, Dr. Sleep's ending combines the Shining ending. There are a lot of things that happen at the end of that film that to me felt like it was a, a bit of a retcon to complete the story of The Shining as well. Uh, so I'm not going to tell you what from the finale, but it did that. It was part of the things of Dr. Sleep that made me like that movie a lot more. I already enjoyed Dr. Sleep by the time we had gotten to that third act where they revisit where Danny has to go back to the overlook. But then when they started doing certain things, I was like, hold up a second. That's what, that's what, that's what, and that's what happened in the original book. Oh crap. We're doing, we're, I, I, I never read Dr. Sleep. So I don't know, you know, but I do know this. I know that that overlook should not have been there for this film. So, yeah, I'm I'm into this right now. So, yeah, I really like the ending of Dr. Sleep for it being a form of we're going to incorporate the Shining book ending into this Dr. Sleep ending as well. So uh, the Shining, as far as a movie goes, because of that book reading first. It doesn't play well to me, but I do know a lot of people out there. I mean, I know a lot of people. I have some friends that really dig that film, think The Shining is one of the scariest movies. They love it. They'll watch it every year for Halloween. They'll watch it for the 4th of July as well. For me, I'm okay. With, you know, I've, I've watched it, I think, definitely a handful of times since I saw the film back in 8th grade when I after I had read the book, but... For the most part, it is not a film I'm seeking out, but hey, if you've never seen it, don't let me be somebody to persuade you not to see it. If you've wanted to see the film, go ahead and see it, but just know if you've read the book first, you are getting a totally different film, and uh, yeah, that brings me to the quote Stephen King made uh, that parallels a lot of what I was saying there with how fiery the book is compared to how cold the movie is. He said that it's like a beautiful, beautiful Cadillac, but with no engine. And that's how I felt because the book is really, the Overlook is a representation of hell in a way. So there is a lot of fire to the book as opposed to the cold setting that Stanley Kubrick set up. And I get it. It's for two vastly different 
you know, the way Kubrick interpreted it, you know, King has talked about it where Kubrick doesn't believe in heaven and hell, but King did write it in that sense of this is hell. And so for Kubrick not believing in heaven and hell, he was like, I don't, I don't get that. So to me, it is just this film that I'm going to bring. Uh, but I do think that's why there is a separation. And I, and one of the few times where I will argue the book better than the movie. Uh, coming in at number three on this list of the five scariest movies of all time, according to experts, at number three, Paranormal Activity. Yeah, I, I mean, this was a game changer as far as the found footage goes. I know Steven Spielberg loved this film. He is the person that gave the note for the ending that we all know that then spawned what has been uh, a franchise, uh, really was the replacement for the Saw movies at Halloween time for many years, because if you remember, we used to get a, a new Saw film every Halloween. Then Paranormal Activity came out, and all of a sudden that franchise took off, and it got a little bit of a reboot, I believe it was last year, with uh, Next of Kin, the one that came to Paramount+. Plus. Might have been two years ago now. Uh, I, did, I still have not seen that film. I, I will admit I eventually fell off on the Paranormal franchise a lot quicker than a lot of others, but I am not a big fan of found footage. I don't, it, this this goes to a bit of my issue with first-person video games. I don't do well with shaky camera stuff or or shaky TV action. Uh, first-person shooter games drive me nuts because of the whole having to try and keep the camera straight and sometimes it can go all over the place. You know, I have not truly watched the Blair Witch Project in one sitting. I saw about 20 minutes of it stopped. So another like 10 minutes stopped. Like I had to watch it in like 10 to 20 minute intervals over the course of many, many days because it was too much camera action for me, too shaky. Now, Paranormal Activity does have a lot of steady cam moments where it's just the camera on a tripod or you're looking at the security footage. Uh, but I do believe Paranormal Activity, I, I still remember seeing that in theaters, packed house, opening night. I had a few moments where I did have to look down at the ground, not because I was scared, but because I was getting those, uh, I, I, I the, the motion sickness. I was getting very sweaty. I was getting very hot. I just, and it was making my stomach turn. And again, it wasn't because of the scares, although there are some great scares. It was because at moments with the movement of the camera, I was just like, I couldn't do it. So that is kind of why I fell out of the paranormal activities. I stopped at four. Once four came out, I thought four was really bad, where I went, well, <laughs> if you're going to do these POV found footage films and they're not good, I don't need to keep coming. Although I've heard, I think it was Marked Ones. I think Zach has told me Marked Ones, which was supposed to conclude all the paranormal stuff before the latest one came out. Uh, I, I believe that's the one that Zach tells me is a really good one that I should I should give the other two, uh, five and six, the watch because of that. Uh, moving on to number two on the five scariest movies of all time list. Perfect for Halloween. And that's Halloween, which actually yesterday on the 25th celebrated its 44th anniversary of being released in theaters, Halloween 78. Yeah, this is an all-time classic. This is not just a classic scary movie. Halloween is the ultimate in just cinema. It is a great movie all around from start to finish. It is a masterclass. If you are an aspiring director, I would say watch that movie 
to learn how to build tension without having to, you know, really hammer people over the head because that's a film that's just tension building all the way until it finally explodes and you get just a masterful film. Uh, Halloween is a classic. It holds up. It is still terrifying to this day, no matter how many times I watch it. It is, again, a masterclass in building tension and terror without having to really throw it all at you. Coming in at number one on the list, you've probably guessed it by this point. If I mentioned Halloween at number two, there's definitely one movie sitting at the top of your head right now, and I'm talking pea soup, and that is The Exorcist, which I agree is hands down the scariest movie ever made. I have called this film pure evil on film because that is what it is to me. It is pure evil on film, The Exorcist. I have watched this film twice. That is the extent of my watching The Exorcist. I... Okay, great. Go watch it. If I, I know people that love this film, but to me, this is... This is one of the lines that I have when it comes to horror films and scary and all of that. And The Exorcist hits for me on ways that is just growing up a Roman Catholic, growing up, going to church, believing in good versus evil, angels and demons, Jesus Christ, uh, you know, God, the devil, all of that rolled into this film is done so masterfully. It is truly it like don't do not get me wrong. I am not saying this is a bad film. This is a great film. This is another film that if you are an aspiring director of horror, I would recommend going to watch, but overall I agree that this is the scariest movie of all time. I do believe The Exorcist to be the scariest film because its content, how it's done, what it does, it is so well done that it terrifies me. A film from 1973 has me so scared that I refuse to watch it again. And the first time I saw it, obviously, was because, well, how could I have not seen this film at this point in time? I've seen all the other franchises. Uh, how could I have not seen The Exorcist at some point? And I finally sat down and watched it. It was very late in my life. I was 18 at the time. I was staying with my brother at a place that, and this I know enhanced it, uh, this place where we were staying, his his girlfriend at the time, uh, eventually his fiance and then ex-fiance and ex-girlfriend and all that good stuff. Uh, but the, the woman that he was seeing then, she was staying at the same place and she was someone who was pretty much a conduit for spirits and drew presence towards her. And this is no joke, no BS. Like, this was 100% true because I had stayed at the place prior to her ever being there. And there was one room in that place where I always felt a little awkward and felt something weird about the room. And other people had as well. But when she moved in, the room that I felt awkward in, I didn't no longer just feel awkward in there. I felt completely unwelcomed. And there was a tension in that house that started to build. So for whatever reason, staying at that place, I decided, oh, look, The Exorcist is, is on on demand. I think I'll give this a watch at one o'clock in the morning. That means 
Come three o'clock in the morning, the witching hour, this film is in its third act climax, and all the crazy stuff is happening. The pea soup, all of it is going on at this point. Uh, the take me, take me, uh, yeah. That enhanced the spookiness of it, and I felt that because of that, that might have been why I thought this was one of the scariest movies ever. Fast forward about two years later when I was in my college uh, dorm room, this was during the, uh, uh, the uh, oh man, what was it? The swine flu. Uh, S1N1, I believe is what, what it was called back then. But the first time that I uh, actually ever had to quarantine myself, because I remember I got super sick. It was, it was Halloween weekend, 2009, I want to say, 2010. Uh, staying in my fraternity suite, and I had gotten super sick, and I had to quarantine myself off, and the first day I was quarantined off, I was like, well, hell, The Exorcist is is on Netflix, I'm going to watch it on my computer, here in bed, typically when I'm sick and I watch movies, like, they don't, they don't hit me the same way, now, The Exorcist hit me a hundred times harder when I was sick, in my college dorm room frat house, staying with my fraternity brothers where I knew right outside the door, even though I was quarantined in my room, I knew right outside the door, though, there were there were at least eight other people that lived in that suite and everybody else who was coming over to just make party at the suite. So, yeah, it's it's that that film got me even that time. And that was the moment where after watching it the second time, I swore I will never watch the exorcist again because of how scary it is so there you go those are five of the scariest movies of all time according to experts courtesy of a website called study finds so it follows the shining paranormal activity halloween and the exorcist five to one all right moving on to the uh final part of the show i want to get a black adam uh review in because did get to see this opening weekend, and there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Black Adam. So actually, this is your warning. If you have not seen Black Adam, spoilers are on the way uh, during this review. So be prepared because in about, I'll give you the countdown, but in just a moment, again, going to get into Black Adam and there will be spoilers in this review this week for Black Adam. So, you've been warned, you have been warned, but in three, two, one, time to talk, Black Adam, and uh, again, spoilers are on the way. So, Black Adam, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, has officially hit theaters, it is being torn apart by critics, uh, which I am guess I'm not too shocked about. But audience score for this film has been awfully high, so it's sitting at a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes, over 200 reviews, but the audience score has it sitting at a 90%. Now, I want to start off by saying I enjoyed this film. Black Adam, for me, is a film that mostly works and, and works in a fun way. Now, that is not to say that this is not a film that does not have its flaws, but I do believe that a lot of the critics that are rating this film so low... I think this comes from a place of just DC hate because when I'm looking at some of these reviews, I know I saw some people giving it a zero out of five, zero out of five, one out of five, uh, a one and a half out of four. 
And that seems to be a two out of five. And that seems to be the trend of this is that this is a film that critics seem to just kind of be hating on. I know I have seen some reviews as well. That's like, well, it gets a two and a half out of five and that's, that's negative. Uh, but this is a movie that, you know, for all the negative it's been getting, I think has a lot of positive to go to it. And I, and I do again, believe that the negative comes from a place of it's DC and some of these critics do not go in there with the open mind of wanting to be told a story that revolves the DC characters, or they go in with an open mind, but the first moment the film sniffs at or indicates that it might go a specific route, they don't care from that point forward, and they've turned everything off, and, and at that point they have made a decision. And that's the thing with Black Adam. This is a film that, I'll start with some of the negatives to it, some of the cons. This is a film that at times can be a beat-by-beat superhero movie and is a little uneven and weirdly paced. And that's what I think, where I think critics instantly turned it off was in the first act of the film where it is a little uneven. It is a little weird. It does do some of those things where you go, oh man, they seem to be leaning into the worst aspect of what superhero movies can do. That's not a good thing. Oh, where are we going to go from this point forward if we've still got almost two hours to go from here? Well, where they go after the open, I think is actually really enjoyable. I think that from, you know, the unevenness of the film definitely is something that that lingers throughout, even if it does happen majority, in my opinion, in, in the first act of the film uh, before we get, I don't want to say a, a weird third act, but but again, a typical what we have seen from superhero movies in the past and some of the worst aspect of it does come in the third act as well. But once we get to the second act of this film, once he kind of figures out the direction of where it wants to go, I do think this film has a lot of strengths. And, and really that comes from when we finally get introduced and Black Adam, The Rock, joins the equation after being summoned and we get introduced to the Justice Society. Now, at the end of the day, I will say, why do we care about the Justice Society? They just kind of show up in this film. We don't really know anything about it. But you know what? This film does a lot of things that seems to be setting up where we could get a Justice Society prequel film. We could learn more about these characters uh, and more about Hawkman, which I hope we do. And I would love to see Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate again. And I would love to see, you know, like I'd love to see these characters there again uh, and, and revisit these characters and get a little bit more of a backstory on Justice Society. So, yeah, there is that. And again, that's what I mean by the awkwardness of the film at times is we just get the Justice Society thrown in. But when they do show up for as little as uh, of a backstory we have on them and as much as it's like, why should I care about them? The acting in this film is able to enhance any of the downfalls this film has, specifically the Justice Society when it comes to their characters. I mean, you have Hawkman, Aldous Hodge, and you're not really sure who this character is or what he is, but through what Hodge brings to Hawkman, there's a character there that I'm really interested in, that I'm really invested in, that I really like, and and I want to see more of. Pierce Brosnan, he brings this elder statesman to films these days and 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 him as Dr. Fate he has so many wonderful moments in this movie there there's a sequence 
with Hawkman and Black Adam having a back and forth and he's just sitting there on on uh, in the living room just like oh yeah okay okay but just so much fun with that and i think that's the thing is that this is a film that when it's on is really on is really hitting it and it's really is really firing on all cylinders but when it is missing it is missing and it feels like some of the worst of comic book films it feels like suicide squad and i'm not talking james guns from you know few years ago now i'm i'm talking the suicide squad movie that we all look at and go but why but then at other times it feels like it's it's some of the best of the dc work that we've seen so again uneven at times but the justice society is really fun i i i do like what they bring to the equation i love the hawkman um, and and the Adam Smasher back and forth that we get the the you and I you and I uh, where he just smacks him out of the air and Hawkman is like you know what when we get back to the ship you and I are gonna have a moment like I enjoyed that I thought that was fun uh, the Rock's presence in this film I've seen some people saying oh it's just a typical Rock film it's it's not this this character is very different from what we've seen the Rock play because there really isn't charisma and charm to black adam it's 99 percent of the film he's playing it pretty straight he's playing it very subdued i mean like there is the charm that's there because it is the rock and he's always going to be able to pull some form of charm out of whatever it is he does but this anti-hero approach i liked it. it it worked and i think the rock i do think this is something very different from all the other vehicles and movies and stuff that he's been a part of. I mean, you think of Hobbs and Shaw, you think of that character, you think of him in in even something like DC's uh, the Pets of the Justice League and stuff like that. You think of uh, what what was uh, the one he did, the Disney uh, Jungle Cruise. All of those characters have a, have a very rock like charm to them. This did not have that. So to me, people saying, "Oh, it's very." Outside of the fact that he needed to be super buff for this role and and look like he's a ginormous, larger-than-life human being, which he very much is, this was not a typical role that you would see The Rock in, and I liked that. I liked seeing him pulled back a little bit. I thought the humor was pretty funny as well. I liked... There, there's, a, there's, there's some moments of it that, you know, I, I think some people look at and go, and, and, like, this is where some of these negative reviewers are coming from, where the the setup of do you have a catchphrase? Do you have a catchphrase? And then like an hour later into the movie, he tries practicing a catchphrase. It's a payoff to a setup of a joke in a clever way. But I think some reviewers saw that and went, wow, that's super cheesy and super corny. And then use that as a reason to be negative in their review where I saw it as that's kind of clever. You established a setup for a joke and you gave us a payoff for that joke. What more do people want? Like, you get that in Marvel films and you tell me that that's good, but now you're telling me that that's bad? So, I I, I, I really did. There's Again, there's a lot of things in this film I think work. Uh, one of the negatives that I will say, one of really the only other negatives outside of uh, the unevenness and the, the kind of pacing of this film is a little weird at moments is that it does have a very bland villain. Let's be real, this is maybe one of the most throwaway villains any superhero movie has had. 
I still don't really get what his motivation was. I really don't know anything about him other than the minute this person popped up on the screen, I went, oh, that's our bad guy. And from that point forward, that was pretty much it. Like, yeah, see, he's your bad guy. Right? Let's go. Um, So that was one thing that didn't really work for me was the villain. But I will say as well that at the end of the day, the final battle sequence, while I mentioned the third act is a little, little weird at times as well, a little uneven, they don't linger too much on the final battle, which is where I think a lot of that weirdness kind of lies in the film when Black Adam and Justice Society kind of work together there to uh, complete the fight. And it's just because it's a weird journey to get there. But once they wrap up that Skybeam crap that, again, some of the, the it's like they pulled some of the worst aspects of comic book films, but once we stop that Sky Battle thing, it's fine. It, it's a fine conclusion as well to the film. Uh, I like the final aspect of it. Uh, now, there are some other things of this film that I do want to say that I really, really liked uh, and I think worked really well, and I think this film is not getting credit for, and that is actually when the Justice Society does show up, it is after Black Adam has been brought back, and he's out there, and he's saving his city, his home, from these people that have come in and are and are pillaging the, the, the town and using up its resources and have really taken hostage of the people that live there. And he's taking care of these people, and that's when the Justice Society comes to take down Black Adam because he's, he's you know, listen, we can't have this type of super, this type of superhuman person going around and doing this. He's, he's evil, we're right. But when the Justice Society shows up, they're getting booed by the crowd who are trying to subdue Black Adam because Black Adam, in their eyes, is the hero because he is there protecting the people of this land who want these oppressors gone. And then it raises a great question. And, and I really, I thanked the film for this uh, like because I was like, oh man, this is a really cool setup. I wonder if they're going to say anything. And then sure enough, they're having the conversation. Hawkman is with Adriana about, well, you call yourself the Justice Society, but for decades now, we've had to deal with these people that came into our land, have taken over our country, have taken everything from us, and you sit there and you don't do garbage about it, but the minute Black Adam, Teth Adam comes back, and he's here and he starts protecting us, you come in and tell us he needs to go, and he's the oppressor, and he's evil, and he's bad. Who the hell are you to make that decision we have our hero. You've ignored us when we needed you. He's not ignoring us when we need when we need help. And I loved that idea of laying out in a superhero movie this concept of because it felt very real life. For instance, when does a nation get involved in another nation's problems? The Justice Society was not getting involved in those problems, but it was a problem that if they call themselves superheroes, they probably should have gone and helped out with, but decided not to. Now they're there because there is somebody that is handling that situation, but they don't like the person that's handling it. It's ve- It was very where I went, wow, look at, I did not expect to come into Black Adam and have this type of conversation in a superhero movie. So I, I say ignore the negative reviews of this film, and again, I really did enjoy this movie. I thought it was really fun. I, I, you know, it's not the best, but it's nowhere near as bad as critics are making it out to be. And 
And and I do. I think, again, a lot of it comes to it has a very mm, rough start to the film. And I think a lot of critics from that start instantly went, this is a negative and we're not being willing to be brought back as opposed to let me enjoy the rest of the ride because maybe it'll get better. It does. And then it kind of wanders a little bit and veers off for a moment, but then it pulls itself back and finishes strong. So I think this is uh, a good film. I I enjoyed it. Overall, no matter how many other DCEU styles are thrown into this film and it's shift in tones can be confusing. Again, it's a win. It is absolutely a win. Uh, It is worth seeing in theaters. I didn't get too deep into the spoilers, but I will talk a little bit more. Um, uh, one thing right now that that is a spoiler, uh, and that is the mid credit scene. So before we wrap this up, got to talk that mid credit scene that reintroduces Henry Cavill's Superman to the DC Extended Universe. He's wearing the original outfit, which indicates uh, a little bit to me that that maybe this the the Zack Snyder stuff is done. Whether that's good, whether that's bad, I know there's a loud vocal group of people on the internet, uh, specifically Twitter, that are not happy about that. I'm fine with it. I am excited that Henry Cavill is back. I did enjoy Man of Steel. I'm back and forth on Batman versus Superman. At times I really enjoy it. At times I'm like, hmm, all right, that could have been better. But overall, I like the fact that Henry Cavill is back. I like the idea that uh, we're going to get more of Henry Cavill as this character, as Superman. But yeah, that was a very nice, uh, not so secret secret, because let's be real, The Rock pretty much told all of us from the very beginning that he was going to be in the film. So he's there. He's there in the mid credits and Henry Cavill is back as Superman. So I'm excited to see where they, they send that character. And again, that is another thing I think Black Adam did really well, which is it, it it started to send us in a new direction. We started to see a new direction of where these DC extended universe films could go. Whether they continue down that path, that's a totally other question because, you know, they don't really have anybody guiding the ship right now. But overall, again, Black Adam, to me, was enjoyable enough. It gets by. It's a fun comic book film. You'll have a good time in the theater for two hours watching Dwayne The Rock Johnson do his thing. Uh, As far as a passion project goes, yeah, you would hope it would have been a little more clearer and a little more direct on where they wanted to go at times. But even again, that unevenness of this film does not make it a bad movie. Uh, I do recommend seeing Black Adam. And I am curious, what did you think of Black Adam? If you saw it, tell me. Hit me up on Twitter, wonderful underscore radio. I know I just said Twitter's a loud place for angry So go ahead, leave your angry if you want to, uh, or leave your comments on the Throw Me Podcast Facebook, Instagram, uh, and all that jazz. So until next week, uh, enjoy Halloween, happy spookies, and peace and love.